0: Hi, I'm Ben Richardson, and you're listening to the Karate Podcast, where we talk about karate, the competitive sport of kumite, and the warrior's journey. Brought to you in association with Kumite Coach, the world's first progressive online high-definition coaching platform, created by coaches and fighters for coaches, fighters, and students of karate. Join kumitecoach.com today and take your karate to the next level. We're really excited today uh, to have on our podcast UK's top fighter of the moment, Joe Kellaway, who's a a fantastic athlete headed towards uh, the Olympics. I saw him as a fighter on the circuit, coming up through the circuit, and um, it's a real pleasure to have him with us today. Committee Coach is all about taking karate to the next level, and that's certainly something that Joe has done with his own training and his hard work and commitment. So welcome, Joe. Thanks for joining Thank us. You. Cheers, Ben. So Joe, I'm sure that everyone listening already has heard of you, and if they haven't, they've, they've probably been living in a cave. But um, I think you know we know who you are right now. Would you mind just starting off telling us a bit of your story about how you found uh, karate, how you found martial arts? And, you know, those first sort of steps into
1: the sport that took you, you know, on on the road to where you are now. Yeah, so I think pretty much the same as every beginner. It was um, just flies going around the school and stuff like that, Um, posters and stuff saying karate lessons um, at my my primary school. Um, So one day my dad, I gave one to my dad um, and then all of a sudden I was already signed up to go to my first lesson in that week. So I think I was uh, either in reception or year one, so six years old. Um, yeah, didn't have a gi, just went down in my hoodie, jogging bottoms, and it's like my, my first day of karate there. Right.
0: I heard that you were influenced by the Power Rangers in your yeah. early years. Um, what was it about karate do you remember that that excited you was it was it the power rangers or was there
1: something that you found in the session that just clicked with you i mean like any kid really would when they're watching power rangers or any sort of like uh but like fighting kung, kung fu cartoons or anything like that they all reenact the moves and that with their friends and stuff like that so to actually go to a lesson and then start learning the how to do the techniques properly the punching the turn of the wrist closing of the hand simple stuff like that really it's quite exciting as a as a six-year-old yeah awesome
0: and um, was it was that club is that the club you uh, stayed part of through you know your development as a as a Karatica or did you move clubs
1: have you stayed? So, in group? yeah yeah I've, I've, um, so that I was with that club my first club till the age of I think 12 then I then I moved on um, just for a part of growth really just to just to develop so, I feel like I, from my first coach, um, Steve Groom uh, from Hargendu, he um, developed me very well, um, got me to a really good standard. And just from there, like anything in life, you've, you've got to pretty progress through. And it's nothing to – we're still very good friends. Like There was no bad um, uh, rivalry. Yeah, there were no bad views, anything like that. It was just uh, – both both agreed and then we just we, we just went our separate ways, separate paths. and he still supports me to this day. So still very supportive coach. Fantastic.
0: And looking back, what was the point where you started to find yourself interested in competing? Um, did you start out in Kumite or were you doing both aspects of karate? Um, you know, at the beginning?
1: Um, I started with Kumite first. So I, um I was about nine years old was my first competition. Uh, and that was in Essex in Grays. Um, so I just went down there first competition. I, I didn't know what was going on. I was too busy mucking about playing tag out, outside of all the other other teammates. So yeah. until tell me, Mum said, "Come on, get your gear on. You got, you got you're going to go out and bow one in a minute." So I got my gear on, waddled out, bowed, and then I had. I think my first fight I had was with um, a girl. So it was um, a, cat, a, a top cat uh, performer for England, uh, Melissa, uh, Melissa Williamson. Yeah. Williams. Yeah. So uh, I fought Melissa for my, my first round ever. So I kicked <laughs> her in the head. I always tell her that. I always, I said I kicked her <laughs> in the head when I was like nine and she was older than me. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, which I was quite a late late starting fighting, really. Like kids now starting straight away. As soon as they get into a club, they're, they, i they' in mean, a couple of months and they're in the competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think karate's moved. A, I've always played catch-up. I think, like, in the beginning, I was always, everyone was starting competing. I was still in my traditional classes and that, waiting to get a chance to to, to fight. Yeah.
0: Well, I started when I was 26 competing, so um, I think yeah. I, I'll beat you on catch-up there. but Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, can you tell us about, um, was there a particular point where you realised that maybe... You know, I, I don't like to say that uh, talent um, is the thing that allows people to be successful. I think, you know, I know how hard you're working and how hard you have worked and all the commitment. But was there was there a point where you realised you wanted to com- commit yourself to a path of karate and to kumite? Was there one particular moment where that happened for you? Or was it a number of experiences?
1: I think um, probably my first, like, sort of, realization that karate is going to be the sport for me was probably my first senior event which was the France versus England so Willie Thomas took me he was the head coach at the time took me to represent England for the, the friendly match against France as a warm up event before the world championships right. I was an indi- individual fighter at senior I was mostly a team fighter so I was always in, in the five man team um, and I had he went up, came up to me and went right Joe you got a you got William Roll first round, so I'm 18 and I'm fighting one of the top 67 fighters in the world. Like, um, so anyway, I've gone okay, cool. Like, no, pre- there's obviously there's pressure, but there's no pressure. This guy's a top fighter. Whatever happens, then obviously he should be he, this guy should be beating me. Um, I remember I went one nil down, and all of a sudden I pulled out this sweep out of nowhere. It's like one of my best sweeps I've ever done. Um, so I eventually, at the end, I won the fight three two. Fantastic. Or 4-2, something like that, very close. Um, Just come off buzzing. And from there, I just knew that I quit every other sport that I'd done, which was football, rugby, and I took karate pretty much full time. Fantastic.
0: Um, How how have your goals changed over the period between maybe that moment and where you are currently with your training?
1: Uh, So from there, I mean, like I said, I wasn't much of an individual fighter. um, And Olympics was still on the quiet side it was still in the process of becoming real or another dream for everyone so when it got announced I think I was in, out of the hundred like in the rankings I was no, non-existent and I just gave myself little goals really so one year it was okay let's get in the top 100 so I managed to do that then the next year it was okay let's get top 50 now then I managed to push myself to get to that top 50. And then all of a sudden it was top 30, top 20, and that now it's top 20. And so my goal now is to get in the, in the top 15 in the world. And then so from to being in the top 10 and getting the only little picture on the ranking. Yeah. 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 So. yeah that's awesome. Um,
0: what What role do other people play in your development as a
1: fighter? So, I think this, I'm basically starting off with my parents. Really, I feel I wouldn't be the fight I am to be without their support. Uh, I feel parents take a key part of any athlete's role. I know there's some people that are um, less fortunate to have parents around, um, but I feel if you got if your parents are there and they support you 100%, they're a massive part of your journey. If without without me, mum and dad, I wouldn't be able to do the tournaments that I've been going to when I was younger, like the Lion Cup in Luxembourg, Belgium. I mean, I didn't have a job to pay for them, you know, so it was nice to, it's, it's nice to have supportive parents. Um, basically, uh, coaches as well. So I've got my, obviously my club coach, club coach uh, Andreas Michaelides from WIKF, K- uh, KBK. So, I mean, a fantastic coach um, that pushes me um Supports me as well, not only just t- teaches me he supports me. I mean, a lot. we do a lot of funding in the club. A lot of the money that we pay into the club then get, goes back into the athletes for competitions if they go to Europeans and World Championships. Um, but for my actual my fighting development, uh, Paul Newby is one of my biggest inspirations for my actual improvement in my fighting. So uh, I, ne- I never was a hand fighter. I never used my hands a lot. It was always kicks and sweeps. Um, but I think I'm well known for my Kazami now. Uh, my double's coming on nicely, and I'm even throwing Gax now. So nice. Gax is like one of the ones I've always struggled with. But now you see me in top K1 fights that I'm throwing my body punches as well now. So it's coming all together nicely.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. And you just kind of touched on it there a little bit um, with the funding side that you're, you know, you, you're part of a fortunately part of an association that is providing that for you or providing a pathway to funding but how do you feel generally in terms of uh, you know the athletes you're competing against you know I believe some of those guys get a lot of money uh, from their countries and associations which obviously funds a high level of training for them Uh, you're pretty much self-funded how is that in terms of a challenge for you when you when you see yourself on that world stage you know, alongside people like Busa and Haruna and Age. I mean, you're on the podium with those guys. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that for for
1: our listeners? Yeah, I mean, it is difficult. I mean, being an English karate fighter is very hard because there's no sort of financial backing. I mean, I've I've had a little bit here and there, uh, but not enough to pay for going to Dubai, going to Tokyo, probably enough to buy me a one-way ticket, you know. Um, Like I said, it's... uh, I've had to rely on me, the money that I do get from teaching seminars and what my parents do and what hard working, um, getting that money all together to pay for me to fly everywhere. But I think that's probably a bit more of an incentive for me to do well because I know I'm not going out there to have a holiday now. I'm, I'm going out there to fight because my mum and dad have sacrificed everything. I've sacrificed everything put all that money into going and trying to get in a good place or and a medal at these international competitions i'm not going there for a social meeting and having a bit of fun okay i enjoy myself when i get there and once the hard work is done i can let me air down on that but the main job is to to produce these medals and prove to everyone that money money funding and all that doesn't mean anything yeah i mean you, you do it you you do well because you're training hard, you're putting in that work. Money only only gets you there. It's the hard work that you can pull out a medal from.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's obviously, I don't know how um, frequently this occurs for you when when you meet people, but obviously people will see you on this world stage, see you competing at a high level. Um, A lot of people will say, you know, Joe's talented or, you know, maybe Joe got lucky or something like that. But it is just, Massive amounts of commitment and hard work from your side, is it not?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, my my, I mean, before we've gone into this uh, lockdown quarantine, everything's been cancelled. I've, I've consistently got to two quarterfinals and a, a fifth place match in in two competitions. So it can't be a matter of luck that I've had a lucky day on one day where I've got to a quarter, uh, a quarterfinals. I've done it consistently now. So sure. it's proven that some there's something going right for me. I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard against... I mean, especially when you're fighting these top fighters, the referees are going to be watching the top fighters not, and not you. They're going to be looking, they're going to be twitching for these agayabs, the boosters So you've got to be on your game. And so it's nice to see now referees are actually giving me... Um, are supporting me a little bit now against these good fighters because it's so, when you're up against them, you're already one nil down. Yeah. Because... You know, they would twitch, or there's a clash. You know, nines out of ten, they're going to go towards the, the the elite fighter. Yeah. So it's nice to be up there now with with these fighters now.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um And for maybe some of the competitors that would be listening, could you? Because I think often, you know, I coach fighters, I coach uh, you know all sorts of uh, karateka, but in terms of competitors, I always find there's there's usually a mismatch in their their beliefs around you know the, the result they're getting in their tournament um and the sort of work they're putting in and often they'll com- compare themselves to someone like yourself saying oh you know joe's joe's medal joe's won that again you know i want to be like joe um but i think there's there's generally that mismatch in the amount of work you're doing in, on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis in terms of training versus what the average club competitor probably does. Could you tell us a little
1: bit about your training week-to-week? Uh, yeah. Week? yeah, so pretty much, I'm, I mean, I've always kept it. I mean, a lot of people in sport now follow this, this scientific side of training, like um, not doing too much road work because you have your shins and your knees, um, doing more stretching, I'm a big believer in that. I think you need more, more stretching, more uh, power lifting to be explosive. Uh, but I've always been a, a road road work. I love my running. Um, it's good to not only for my physical conditioning, but my mental as well. It's it's uh, always pitch me fighting someone, and if there's a someone that's ahead of me on the on the run, I think oh, okay, I'm two nil down on this one. I need to go and get that go get get in front of this person. So I always always visualise fights in my head situations. Um, and it's not nice I mean I'm I'm in the lovely sunny Silsden and it's uh, pouring down with rain this is not the type of weather you don't want to be running in you want to be in nice sunshine but it's that mental toughness to go out there just put a rain jacket on and just get the run done and you're all finished with so I always start my mornings with a, a good running um, and then obviously in the, in the afternoons I'm now training um, with Jordan Thomas uh, Brandon Carr top heavyweight Um Pan from Cyprus, Paniotis, and at the moment, Mitchell Thorpe is up here as well. So we're all, we've got a good bunch of minus 75s as well. So these these boys are not only my rivals, but we're also good training partners as well. So it's nice to be in that sort of professional fighter's lifestyle where, like Tyson Fury in boxing, mm. he still he still has to spar his rivals. Yeah. That's the only way for him to get better. So, yeah. yeah. Great. so I'm and, doing that and then at my evening work again it's another, another session or if I'm feeling a bit tired it might be just a weight session just to finish
0: fantastic so you're training multiple times a day um, you're training five days a week four yeah days five,
1: week. I, I mean I trained yesterday, Saturday, I don't really put, a, I put a days to my training on when I rest or if I'm feeling tired that's, that's my rest day yeah. if I'm feeling that I need that no, I need to step back away. Like today, I'm going to do a, a lightweight session with Brandon and Mitchell. Thought after you know after this interview, we're be getting ready to do a little session. Yeah, great. But I'm, I'm not I'm not one for sitting around as well. I get so bored easily. So I can't just sit in front of an Xbox and play Call of Duty or whatever. I, I have to keep busy. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, just in terms
0: of um involving other people in your training um you know i think again fighters who are trying to come up through the ranks sometimes uh you know can can sit in like a safer bubble where it's it's i'll train with my club mates um mm. you just mentioned training with your your opponents and competitors what what when do you decide you, you know you're going to bring a different coach in or when do you decide you're going to you want to you know, train with this other fighter that um maybe you don't know as well, but you, you feel it's
1: it's gonna push you on that a little bit further. Yeah, I think you don't I mean training you don't want to be comfortable. You don't want to be comfortable in your training. Um the only way to improve is coming out of your comfort zones going where you don't want to go. And if that means you have to fight spar someone that's maybe a little bit better than you or they're on the heels of you of being overtaking you, then you, you have to you have to do them sort of sessions. Um they they're the most important ones. I think the most important sessions you learn from are the ones where you don't do too well in or you feel a bit uncomfortable so I'll forget the sessions that I've done well in. I remember the ones that I felt uncomfortable and didn't I went to a place where I didn't like it, so
0: yeah, 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 I think um often you know it's the it's the probably those tougher matches where you you didn't win or you just missed out on that that medal that teaches you the most about. where you want to improve upon could you tell us any any particular moments uh where or fights that influenced or changed the way you're approaching competition or uh experiences in training
1: again that gave you a big shift in in a different direction yeah i mean i think a major milestone in my my fighting was my first european bronze medal when i was under 21 um, obviously, it was it, that was my first big, big medal. Uh, it took me pretty much most of my junior cadet career to just produce one medal where I think a lot of coaches would have gave up on an athlete. But I, yeah, again, I had supportive coaches. I made sure I proved my point in England that I, w- I was number one and I was a medal contender for the European and World Circuit. Um, but it just didn't click. Nothing was clicking for me at these international tournaments. Um, and all of a sudden, it was my last under-21s before I turned full, full-time senior. Uh, and I remember having Paul, Paul as my coach there saying, look, just enjoy it, it's your last one. Just go out, go out with a big bang, you know, put a statement. Middle or not, just prove to everyone that you're going to be a top senior contender. Um, so, Because most of the top seniors are still under-21 at this, at this time. Like Gabor from uh, Hungary, the Italian who's now minus 84. Um, so, yeah, so we just went round by round, um, taking people out. Uh, we got to the semi-final. Um, really unlucky. I've got, I've got, I was 2 nil down, and literally, I think it was on the 7th second, I kicked the Italian boy in the, in the head, and I got one flag for a head kick. Um, in feeling, I just wanted to break down and cry then, but Paul said, look, you've got one more fight before you get a bronze medal now. So, I was waiting and waiting, and I had a very tough Austri- uh, Austrian boy, yeah. Um I just remember it was one, it went 2-0 to me, then it was two all. I still had Senshu. Uh, and then actually I don't think Senshu was about then. I think I, I just I went to last warning straight away. So I couldn't run away or or use my tactics to just to, to knock down the time. So I remember I remember ducking under his kick, breaking off and then hitting him with an over the top to make it three, two. And yeah. I just knew then I looked over to Paul, even though there was like a second on the clock. I knew I wasn't going to make a mistake. I just, I was so confident. So I just looked over to Paul and just put my hands up. And I knew I broke the boy as well. He knew that it was over. So just by his body language. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, and then that was a very, I was probably more emotional when I won that bronze medal than to my senior bronze medal.
0: Yeah, fantastic.
1: Um, Could you tell us your thoughts
0: or how you, um prepare for competitions do you you train differently when it's that week before a competition or do you train the same um have do you uh get nervous or you know i know as a fighter i i always i tried to taper off my my training as competitions were approaching just in like the last week but i also for a long period of time um, until really the last couple of years I competed, I used to get massive amounts of anxiety and find it really quite traumatic to compete. Um, can you talk
1: to us a little bit about your preparation for tournaments and your thoughts so, today? Yeah, basically, like you said, you taper down towards the competition. So I used to just take it down a little bit, keep just do these short 45 minute sessions, nothing too heavy. And that's going to zap all my energy. 'Cause at the time as well, I'm on weight cutting as well. So I'm getting my weight back down to under seventy five. So main focus is just trying to keep sharp. Um ov- obviously you won't be eating or drinking as much as you should be because mm-hmm. you just want to get you wanna make your weight. So you don't want to really overdo yourself and um burn out. Um but on the co- once I made weight and I've refueled, got the right stuff in me, um the next day is yeah, it's, it's not, everyone gets the people that say they're not nervous are they're lying. I think they're lying. I think everyone has them butterflies because everyone's looking on you, especially if you're a, a, a name or you're one of the ones to win it on the day. Everyone will be watching your mat. Um but I think I've got better as I got a little older as well. I've gone with like a if you lose like there's always gonna be another competition. There's always gonna be another English or British title to win. There's always gonna be another K one. Um so you just got to move on just improve what you've didn't do well in and then just change it the, for the next time like you know, beginning of the year at the paris open it was probably my worst k1 i've ever done um, i've had a the olympic junior olympic champion first round from belgium yeah uh, one of the one of the up and comers for minus 75 really tall um for the weight as well so he's he's about, I reckon he's got to be six two, six three, And I'm quite tall for 75 as well. So this guy's much taller than me. Uh, and Just a fantastic kicker. And he, he beat me comfortably four, 4 nil, 5 nil. And, and then in Austria, I, I had him in the third round. I had him in the third round. But this time I was a bit more... I had a bit more thought about it. I didn't rush in too much. I took my time with everything. And it was the other way around now. I won 5-0 because I I used his, what he's good at to my uh, what I'm good at which is he's, he's a fantastic kicker I'm a good sweeper so every time he threw a leg up I put him on even if I didn't score I just wanted to make him so uncomfortable sure that he had to he had to keep getting up and dusting himself off kicking me again and I swept him again so it was a good little tactic and eventually I got the three points and a nice back kick as well to finish off the match nice nice so yeah just you just got to not worry, like, like like I just said, if you if you lose or you're having a bad day, I mean, you see top football teams, Man United, Man City, they lose to very low teams, and every now and then they have one of them bogey matches, as they call them, and you just, they just move on, and they and they still eventually they'll get the title in their hands.
0: Yeah, and what are the what are the um what are the biggest challenges you're facing uh, in your career at the moment apart from obviously being locked down with the rest of the world. Um, what's what's the
1: biggest challenge you're you're currently running towards? Uh, biggest challenge, obviously. I'm, all I'm obviously I'm waiting for just to get back on the mat. Really, that's trying to keep focused and motivated to you know get up and do me running and do me diet. Make sure I'm eating moderately clean. I mean I'm I mean now we're on a little break. I mean I don't get chances where I can have a have a beer here or um, eat what I want. So I'm taking that all in consideration because when it all kicks off again, I'm not going to get a chance to. So I'm just enjoying when, when I can, but also being clean in, um, moderate, like majority of the time I'm eating clean. Um, But probably just trying to prove, to, like not prove, because I think everyone knows I'm one of the top athletes in the UK, but just trying to get a bit more, bit more out, out of, uh, say, uh, Sport England and stuff like that. Say, look, I'm one of them as well. You need to, you need to help me out as well because yeah. I'm, I'm one of the highest ranking af- uh, Olympic um, for the Olympics in the UK. So I think I deserve a, a little bit more help than what I'm getting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, just with regards to, uh, I guess money. Then we we have a fantastic tournament in the UK called the 10K Karate Clash, which I'm sure yeah. everyone knows about. And you are famous for uh, winning that twice. Could you tell us a little bit about your ten k uh,
1: journey? Yeah, so the first one, so the one that it was the first one since ten years, I've, I believe the that the date was. Um, so I, I was I came in as one of the contenders. I wouldn't say I was the main one to win it. I think everyone had their eyes on uh, Alton Brown, uh, Jordan Thomas, uh, a couple of the internationals that were there to to win the title uh, he, like in the beginning uh, I, I mean I've done an interview and I remember this This is one of my strong memories of like the beginning of the 10k I've done an interview with uh, Master One oh, yeah. and he said oh, and he said oh, what what?" he was going, asking everyone what their special specialties were and everyone gave an answer and then I thought I'll be clever and say I've got everything Like <laughs> I, I haven't got one favourite and he said "Ah, oh, usually pick then he went oh, usually people that say that have nothing I bet you've got nothing <laughs> anyway, anyway, I think after my first fight, he came up to me. When you're going to do this, aren't you? Yeah. After my first fight, he said you're going to do this. So, um so yeah, I, I think because I, I, there was no pressure on me to do well, I think it, everything just flowed that night. I think that's one of my best performances of fighting of uh, to date. Still, yeah. I think wow. everything. It was weird. Everything I threw went in. Like it was just perfect. to Like you know, like Michael, like Michael Jordan. I it's like some of the things I've seen where he said everything he, he threw, like the ball and that, it just went in. It was just, it was just in the zone. Yeah. You don't get many, many, many moments like that when you're just in the zone like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was there watching and he uh, did just seem to get stronger and stronger from round to round and more confident. And uh, yeah, just, it just seemed to be your your night you know it's like yeah, it was fantastic to watch it was, it was fantastic
1: really yeah amazing. and then like the, the third the second time I, I picked up a, an injury in the second round against uh, Hong, uh, Hong Kong's uh, Jimmy yeah. Lee Kawhi uh, he I took a, a nasty knee or a clash it was uh, and it actually tore my obl- my oblique so I was out for a little while after that that incident uh, and then the third third time I wasn't even meant to be there so it was pretty funny. I was in Morocco um, at the K1. Didn't have a bad performance. It wasn't the best. I mean, I had a uh, lost second round, second or third round to a Turkish fighter. That was that went to the final. Now it was four three at the end. So not, nothing to be disappointed about. Um, so later that evening, uh, I got a call from Paul, Joe, Lon, and they said, "Look, we need we need someone to cover a space. Someone's not turning up." So. Do you want to come down anyway? We worked something out. I flew, flew the next day, got home at Saturday evening, uh, got a bit of rest, and then I was uh, suited and booted, ready to go the next day. Um, <laughs> so I, I think I was third, third group or second, third group. I think I was, uh, yeah, everything went well, went really well that night. I mean, I had a tough, tough semi final with uh, Imman Sanchuli uh, from Iran. One of uh, Iran's top heavyweights. Um, He's been part of the world championship team for two years, I think. Part of the when they won it, they won it three times. He's been a part of it twice. Um, So yeah, I really had my work cut out out of me there. So I was five nil down, I think five or six nil down, Uh, and all of a sudden I just started getting one point back, two points back. I wasn't going for these big head kicks. I knew it was a bit of a hard task to kick a tall tall man the head so I went just started picking off points and eventually I think it went down to um uh, 5-4 and I remember I, I hit him with a clean punch and then uh, no score I got one flag and then ref went go it was the last second I put he turned round he went to my put uh, my Gary in my stomach and he missed and he spun round and I hit him on the back of the head and I saw one flag out and I thought, no, I've just got one flag. I have nearly done it. I nearly got the the hand tie, ref decision. And then all of a sudden, I looked in the other corner, and they've just put it out as soon as I turned. They've put it out. So I got the point. I drew it back. And the refs obviously, because I kept on working and grafting for the point, I won the, won the majority of the ref decision. Yeah. And then the final was obviously with Renee Small, one of um, the WKF World Karate Federation's like top top 75 fighters um, that you'll probably ever see. I mean, a European champion, cup f- numerous of times, loads of world and European medals, K1 champion. And so yeah, I got a chance to have um, a final fight with him before he announced he was retiring. So that was a true honour to to fight, Renee.
0: Yeah, it was a great final. It was really great. Yeah, well done. Congratulations. Um, how close are you now? Do you think to being the fighter that
1: you hope to, you
0: know, be?
1: I feel like there's a long way to go for me. The, I just want to be a bit, bit more consistent. I mean, I'm so it's, it's it's annoying because everything just stopped when I was on the ball. The ball was rolling, uh, but I think it, it, this has been a big test for me. This uh, lockdown and everything stopping because you find yourself. Who are you without karate as well? Who are you with when you're not training and uh, a bit of bit of being a bit lonely? To be fair, like not being able to train with partners, your mates, and yeah, um, so you you find yourself a bit more uh, on who you are as a person. And then just thinking about it, I'm not. I don't think I'm there yet. I've still got a long way to go before I've, I've peaked. Like I'm becoming, hopefully one day becoming the next Dagaev or Boosa or Haruna. You know, I want to be, but in in a way, I want to be my own person. I want to be. I don't want to be like them. I want to be past them. I want to be the next diamond of karate, as they say. Yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see what, what life brings me.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Um, you kind of answered it, but um, what what's the what's the future hold for you? What's what's the goal?
1: Obviously, at the moment, Olympics is the is the big bubble that everyone wants to chase and get a hold of Um, but other than the Olympics I mean I just want to be known for being one of the top competitors I want to be known for being someone like Rene Small you know I want to when someone a younger generation fights me I want them to feel wow it's a true honor fighting this person right here like enjoying their moments I mean it's like it's easy to say I want to be a world champion or a European champion or K1 multiple champion you, you want to I think I'll get more satisfaction someone going fighting and going wow this is this is big I mean if, um, this is a true one of fighting Joe Kellaway and sharing a mat with him yeah so yeah, just nice. saying obviously I want to be a world champion but I think everyone wants to be a world champion you know so I think I just want to be a little bit different and I want to be someone that's going to be um, just yeah, just a, a hero for someone really. I'm sure I'm a hero now for people, but even more as I carry on the money, twenty-three, I can maybe I might be um, a hero in Denmark or a hero in I don't know uh, Switzerland. You know, it'd be that's awesome. Yeah, fantastic,
0: Joe. Thanks so much for being with us today. We appreciate your time. Um, let us get back to your training, uh, but yeah. wish you the very best for the future. Um, uh, thank you. Yeah. Also, just want to thank you for being uh, on the podcast and also being part of Kumite Coach. You, know, you put some amazing demonstrations together for us, for our film crew, and uh, it was, you know, fantastic to watch you in action. I uh, wish you the very best in the future. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much, Ben. Really appreciate it. Nice to be on the podcast. My first podcast. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Joe. Cheers. No worries, Ben. Take care.